Men are built for the demands of life. The breadth of our shoulders bears the weight of responsibility in our homes. The depth of our voices projects strength to the world. And the length of our stride, our ambition, propels us toward career success. Man Up For Life is the coaching and speaking brand you need to reach the heights of your individual and organizational greatness. Responsibility, power, and ambition will cease to overwhelm you and begin to inspire you. To get started today, contact Demetrius Love at manupforlife at yahoo.com or at manupforlife across all social media platforms. Responsibility, power, ambition. Don't be overwhelmed. Be inspired. Start today. Thank me tomorrow. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Motown Philly Podcast. You heard it right, 52-5-2. There are 52 weeks in a year and for one year straight after today's episode, we have delivered content on communication, connection, and community with consistency episode 52 of the Motown Philly podcast. I'm your co-host Tim Golden here with my awesome co-host. What up though? I am excited about this one, Chick. Yes, Jay. I'm thrilled too, my brother. We just can't wait to dig into this. But before we take a step further, we also want to recognize that we couldn't get to 52 without Y-O-U. And so Jason has some gratitude he needs to drop on everybody in this Motown Philly podcast space. Jake, tell the folk out there how super duper. Yo, man, guys, I am so grateful and I'm trying to well this one up from the wellspring with inside of myself. I don't necessarily try have to try to, but I want to tr- I guess try to convey the 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 level in, of gratitude in which I am wanting and needing and having to share with you guys. Like it's it's not this is not a duty at all. I am so grateful. We are here on our 52nd episode straight for 52 weeks in a row with a level of consistency we have gotten up every single week to share with you guys from the bosom of our be- of our bellies and our souls what has been placed on us to share to help make your lives greater in every possible way in the in the realm in in the way of communication connection and community trying our very best to share with you so that you can be better so i am super grateful for you guys showing up with us every single week some of you are old some of you are new and when i say old i don't mean old in age old listeners day ones our day one shout out to the day ones chick shout out to the yo we hear you yo we should be we should start like calling out names for for folks who be getting at us we are grateful for every last one of you guys michelle hall we're grateful for you uh demetrius love lewis uh we're grateful for you kimon uh, uh i don't know uh, chick you got i know you got someone uh, forgive me for those who are missing but i'm grateful for folk on my end man i'm grateful for kathy and maritz hughes i'm grateful for aaron scott 
man, I'm grateful for yeah. my Philly squad out there. Yeah. Adia Talaferro. I'm grateful for yeah. Tamika Lafayette. I'm grateful for all the people across the nation from East Coast to West Coast. Yo, man, I'm grateful yeah, for bro. Vita Star, man. Vita Star. Man, listen, y'all don't even know the amount of people who support this endeavor in ways that you could never imagine. And y'all know Vita because Vita's in here with us from time to time, mm -hmm. making sure she delivers Extra she delivers just on the regular an extraordinary perspective because of who she is and her her wit, her wisdom, her charm, her personality, her know-how of the podcast industry. Man, if we, we start if we keep calling the role, Jay, we gonna we gonna be on here. We're gonna be on here yeah, till next yeah, week. Yeah, that, that gratefulness is just Man. welling up. I just wanna say, listen, we're grateful for the Motown Philly podcast space. That's that's actually a Facebook space. So if you guys are not aware, there's a Facebook group called Motown Philly Facebook group. Look us up and also like invite you can it's free invite it's not necessarily private one day we might make it private for those um who are interested look us up on facebook we're grateful uh, shout out yourself and we'll shout you back out yo we're just thankful and we're grateful look this this time could be too much because we gotta we gotta get into it tim we're we're exci super excited about this week's episode that's right that's right so, so Jay, thank you, man. We're going to hop right into it, y'all. Again, just check out the Motown Philly Podcast Facebook group. Win it if you can. Jump in there. Give us your feedback. And we just going to keep this train rolling because now we're going on year number two. So, listen. At, now that we have thanked you all, we have to talk about a subject today that is near and dear to me and Jason and I think it's near and dear to all of you who are listening out there. And today, our topic is mm -hmm. greatness. Mm -hmm. Greatness. Greatness and communication. Greatness. Yes. Uh, greatness, and, greatness and communication. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the concept of greatness. What I'm going to do first, Jay, is try to clarify what, what it is to be great. And, how, and then I'm going to talk about how greatness and being great connects to all three right. of our core principles here which are communication connection and community we're going to look at how greatness builds community mm -hmm. how it establishes connection and how being great affects the way we communicate so buckle up folks because we're going to dig right, right in so jake right. when i think about greatness right and i think about being great the philosopher, if the philosopher in me has to make some that's why, that's why you're here, bro. Beginning, right? <laughs> hey, bro, Jay, this boy, this buck, I'm telling y'all, this is uh, Jason. Y'all could see we us right now. We, this is, this, this, this is oozing <laughs> yeah. out of our pores, right? So we just hope that we hope that your phones. Or, or your podcast player or whatever device you're listening on, we hope that it oozes through the through the computer or the device that you're listening on mm -hmm. and may it just all be saturated with the enthusiasm that we have right now. So when I think about greatness, it's important, I think, Jason, to 
just pay attention to what the word great actually means right so great has a colloquial meaning a sort of everyday meaning that implies something good has happened so for example if you tell me hey tim i was able to get that auto loan to get three mm. new cars for my fleet i might say wow jay that's great man that is really great i'm happy for you but if you said to me so so that's the colloquial way of talking about great but if you said to me tim I was hanging on the rim with the brothers out at the court the other day. And when I came down, I turned my ankle and now I am in uh -huh, great uh -huh, uh -huh. pain. That would be an accurate statement because in that context, great does not necessarily mean good. So it doesn't, if you said you were in great pain, it doesn't mean that it's good that you're in pain. Like it would mean that it was good that you were able to get the loan that got you three more cars for your fleet. Instead, what it means is that your pain is significant or consequential. It means that there are things that you could do before you turned your ankle as you came down off the rim that you can no longer do since you've turned your ankle. So it is pain that is great in the sense that it is significant and it has consequences for your life. It's consequential. You have to now limp around. Maybe you have to get surgery. Maybe you have to keep your foot elevated for a few days and it's going to have an effect on you. So here in this episode, I think it's important to let everybody know that when we talk about the word great, we are talking about it according to its literal meaning and not its colloquial meaning. What does it take y'all to be significant or is the world better because you're in it? The same way that Jason can't do certain things after he turned his ankle the way he could before it. If you weren't in the world, mm. would you be mm. missed? If 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 you if the if the world went on tomorrow without you, would people be able to say we have suffered a great <laughs> loss? The way that Jason can say he's in great pain. In other words, does your existence have real significance and consequence for the world wow. that you inhabit? Yeah, That's what we're yeah, talking about yeah. today, Jason. That's what we're talking about now. Now, now check this out. Check this out. You can have, you can be a great person, but it doesn't mean that you're mm -hmm, a good mm -hmm, person. Mm -hmm. You could be a great Jeffrey Dahmer was a great person according to the literal meaning of the word. That is to say, his existence was significant and consequential because 
he was a cold-blooded serial mm-hmm. killer. But him being great does not make him good. So we're going to narrow wow. this thing down even further and today about greatness in the sense of what does it take to be significant and consequential while also being a good person now now we start Mm -hmm. to narrow Mm -hmm. the subject down now we're talking about what does it mean to be great that is to be significant and consequential and what does it mean to to attain that status and be a good person so now we're talking about a very small um, elite group of people maybe maybe elite famous people but there may be a lot of parents out there who have attained greatness because you're significant and consequential in what you have poured into your children, mothers and fathers. Now, I, I'm gonna go out, uh, Jay, I'm gonna give an example of somebody who I think is great right now. Okay. And then I'm gonna pass it off to you and we just gonna let roll. I saw there's a, there's a video or a meme, a picture circulating around the internet, social media nowadays. And it's a picture of Shaquille O'Neal. And Shaq is standing there with a family, uh, a mother, a father, and 10 children. And the caption of the photo is the wife saying, we love, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, we love Shaq. He saw that my husband's truck was beat up. He took us to the dealer, bought us a new one, and then played with our kids, poured love into them, encouraged them, and encouraged me and my husband and motivated us as he gave us the keys to our brand new yeah, 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 yeah. That's greatness. Uh-huh. That's greatness. That is greatness. That is greatness in the most narrow sense that we're talking about it. Here we see Shaq, whose greatness, notice Jay, his mm-hmm. greatness is transcendent. Mm-hmm. It goes mm-hmm. beyond the basketball court. That is clear that on the you get he, Shaq has to be mentioned in the same breath Kareem. as Wilt Chamberlain, Akeem Olajuwon, Moses Malone. He's one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant right. big man of all time in NBA history. Russell, I mean, you have to. Yeah, Shaq is worthy in terms of his basketball performance of right. being included in that conversation. But what Shaq did and what and what he does regularly, because apparently Shaq's the master yeah, yeah, of random is. acts of kindness. And he's just and lovable and generous. And I think we would have to say that by our definition of what we're getting into today, Jason, Shaq has achieved greatness, which has affected his communication. I'm going to help mm-hmm. these people. I'm here to help you. The lady said, the children's mother said, he played with our children and he encouraged them. And then he encouraged us. When you're great, your communication will be a communication mm-hmm. that uplifts others. The connection 
he established with those people. Every time they get in that new truck, Jay, they're going to think about Shaq, man. True. Shaq Diesel. So they have have a connection. And they also, whether they realize it or not, and I don't know if Shaq will ever see them again, but he'll always Mm -hmm. remember Mm -hmm. them. They have community Mm -hmm. with Shaq. So, so as we narrow this thing down, right, and talk about what it means to attain greatness, man, I just tell you, I saw that the other day, man, it brought tears to my eyes and it just made me think about how the world would be different if wow. Shaq was no longer yeah, yeah, a part yeah. of it. That's so, great. yeah, I got mine. You know, I got mine and I'm just going to I'm just going to lead. I'm going to lead with the banger, the banger. And it it might take a little bit of your thunder. But listen, I know, you know, you know, people, you know, people, chick. But this one right here, you know where I'm going. Listen, the Black Mamba. I have to give my story and take on why I believe the Black Mamba's greatness and how it transcends becomes otherworldly and and tim and i might spend the whole the whole this whole podcast episode and it can be spent on the greatness of the black mamba if you guys don't know who i'm talking about i'm talking about kobe bryant kobe bean bryant and let me tell you why i believe that kobe is is kind of an emblem or a muse of greatness if you ever studied the life story of Kobe and I'm going to gloss over a lot of it, but i just want to tie things together to kind of show you where, uh, I believe in that Kobe went from just being great to the greatness in which Tim talks about the level of significance that transcends and makes an impact on the lives of others. I think being great as Tim has kind of walked it out a little bit, being great in and unto yourself is one thing. And I guess you have bad greatness, like Tim mentioned, and you have you have kind of good greatness. And what we are leaning in, leaning in on is that greatness that that leans into what is good, what is positive, what is fruitful, what bears things that allows someone, not just that individual, but other lives like the incident or the story in which Tim told about Shaq, it made others better. So when you look at the life and career of Kobe being Bryant, he came in the scene as a young phenom basketball player who skipped college and went directly in directly in into the NBA at the ripe young age of, I don't know, I guess it was 17, 18 years old. Would you say? Yeah, right out of high school. So he had to be like 18 years old. He, he, was, he, he was 17 when he graduated. I think his parents had to co-sign his first contract because he wasn't a, a child was prodigy, right? A child. Just, just Kobe being Kobe and his Kobe-ness, right? But still young, very, if you study and watch and, and look at some of the old videos, Though he was young, he was he was learning. Kobe Kobe lived across across overseas for several years with his father, who played in professional um, sports that was international. So he knew two languages. By the time he was by the time he was what fourteen, I believe he went over there at the age of eight. But I know he knew two languages fluently: it, uh, Italian. Uh, he spoke a little bit of Spanish and even Portuguese. Portuguese. Uh, uh, things that I've learned about Kobe but the point is as Kobe came into the NBA he was 
hell bent on being the best ever, which is probably a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of uh, NBA players desire. They want to be the best at their craft. But Kobe, he was obsessive about it. If you understand and knew Kobe, he came in the league young. So he learned that there was not a lot of things that he can do like the older players who were over 21. So he really poured himself into his craft. He wasn't going out clubbing. He didn't you know, he didn't do things that a lot of his or most, if not all of his teammates did. He the time that he had, he understood that he can compound time and, and, and double up on practice. And he knows that he he knew that he can get a lot better. So to study and learn and understand his career in the first I don't know, he played maybe 16 years. So the first eight years, he really uh, exceeded. You saw leaps and bounds from year to year that Kobe showed and demonstrated as he uh, from the first year making maybe the playoffs, but then losing because he shot a couple of air balls against San Antonio in the one year. And then the next year, uh, recorrect, correcting that and making the playoffs and winning a few playoff games uh, and even a series to a got to a point. And maybe it's his third or fourth year. This man is in the NBA finals and then winning back to back to back three titles at the ripe young age by the ripe young age of at least 22 23 and he was already being looked at as one of the team leaders alongside of Shaquille O'Neal now to understand who Kobe was it was that Kobe was hell-bent on trying to be the greatest and one person that he saw being the greatest he often said was Michael Jordan if you if there's a muse or if there's a uh, a basketball idol if you're a basketball player to look up to to be like it would be like Mike uh, you all know the story so Kobe poured himself into that particular craft in his craft to be the best and at one at at a growing crescendo he became more of who he, who we knew him to be the assassin the killer the 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 person who cared less about your you and your life and all about um, winning and making sure that everything that he did on the court was excellent even to the point where he's scoring 81 points in a game which is unfathomable right right Tim so um with that being said Kobe after winning those championships he began to alienate well he's slowly over time began to alienate himself from his teammates even to the point where he got the his the his one one of the more famous teammates he's ever had in playing Shaquille O'Neal uh having to get the general manager of the Lakers to choose either him or Shaq and they chose Kobe being Bryant they because they weren't getting along if we're going to pick somebody we're going to pick Kobe Bryant because we have he has more upside so they they shipped Shaq to uh, Miami and it was now Kobe's team and if you follow Kobe's team after Shaq left Kobe's team began to suck really I don't know Tim if you remember the smush Parker days but that team sucked <laughs> and it was becoming more and more apparent that Kobe wasn't flourishing without Shaq, even though he had serviceable players. I mean, they could barely make the playoffs if, if, if in fact they even made the playoffs. They started, we all started to learn that Kobe wasn't a great team player and Kobe was so insular and so about uh, being perfect, if you will, and not really serving or or being friendly or having amicable relationships inside of his own 
uh, inside of the organization and within the, the bounds of his own team. So because Kobe was so insular, if you will, and wasn't about connecting, wasn't about uh, having these uh, grooming young players so that they can be better because he was so focused on himself. He, he, he didn't thrive and it because he didn't thrive. His team wasn't thriving. Well, if you know the story of Kobe, something happened to him that was off the court personal, and it really kind of changed his perspective on life. And once that happened, he began to start growing in a way we never thought Kobe could because he so tried to be like somebody else. It seemed like he really didn't know himself because if you look at Kobe, especially Tim in his earlier years, Kobe and everything he did, it looked like Mike. His the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he the what everything about him. I mean, seriously, looked like Michael Jordan to a point. Was like, who is this dude? But after that crisis that happened off uh, that happened off the off the court, Kobe started to change. Kobe started to learn. Kobe started to understand, and it then started to think about himself less and started to think about others more. And it, so it was uh, during that time of his struggle. Some uh, maybe a few years after the the off off the court issues ar- arose, and he began i'm not sure if you saw that documentary tim where he the redeemed team and if you look at that documentary on netflix guys mm-hmm. you can see that was the pivotal point when kobe kobe started to reach out and started to make himself more vulnerable and and even amicable amicable in helping those that were in his own circle at that time it was the it was the redeemed team kobe it was, you know, Kobe, LeBron, D Wade, and everybody else that were in that particular time. So as Kobe and they were, they weren't quite sure. All these other stars that came together on this USA basketball team, they weren't quite sure about who this Black Mamba was because the story around the league was like this dude was off and distant. But that wasn't what Kobe. That wasn't who Kobe was trying to be. So he comes into this this environment of elite ball players that are around the around the globe or around the country. Sorry, our country. Uh, LeBron, D Wade, Chris Paul, Carmelo, and they start to they start to interact with Kobe the way Kobe never really wanted to interact with them. Mind you, that Kobe's just coming off kind of years of crisis, right? And he's starting to interact with these individuals and then starting to learn that, hey, they like I can learn something from them and they can learn something from me. And it was then, Tim, when Kobe started to evolve into the Kobe that we knew uh, the latter part of his years, the first eight years, he was number eight. The last eight years, he was two, four. And maybe that was symbolic of his change as well to know that it, he wasn't just trying to sell a jer- jersey. Although some can argue that it was he was a whole different other dude. And at the same time, being the same dude, because it's funny, if you look at Kobe Bryant's stats, bro, he produced the exact same way in his younger, like his his stat production in his younger years, the eight. 
versus his last eight years, which is which is phenomenal to know that his output in his first was just as good as his output in his second. But the thing that had changed was his heart and his personality and how he related to his team, his coaches and everyone else. I'm going to kind of try and lay in this plane about how Kobe is great. And the greatness in, in Kobe was like Tim said, it wasn't just he was great on the on the court because in his early years, he won two, he won three back to back titles. That didn't just make him great. It was in his latter years when he won two. I can, you can argue to say the second iteration of Kobe on the on the floor, though he only won two, was better than the first because why? He started to connect, to become vulnerable, start having conversations with his team, with the new players on his team who didn't know as much as he started putting people under his arm and started talking to them and showing them the way on how to be more professional, how to show up to be the best point guard they can be, the best guard they can be, the best center. He started showing himself to be vulnerable and started making connections by opening up and commu and communicating and saying these are my mistakes and these are things that can help make us better and Kobe became the best part of Kobe towards his latter years and I can you and I can go on and on and on this doesn't have to be a soliloquy we can go back and forth on this Tim about who Kobe was to us and how he inspired us till the point where the man dies in a helicopter accident and both tim and i who have never met kobe kobe has never we've never sat down to sup with kobe and to have any type of personal relationship with him we we shed tears on that day we shed tears and i promise you i didn't shed tears on that day because of what kobe did in his first eight years I shed tears on that day because Kobe not only opened and made himself available to us and communicated, he started having interviews, communicated to to not, not only his sphere of his close net sphere of influence, it was to other people. He started sharing his heart to the public. And it's those those are the reasons and us kind of getting to know him on a more intimate level, his heart, his passion, his desire, what he actually did in workout practice and how he actually doubled down and the, the things that he uh, just was committed to doing to be great. And then how he touched other people in this likeness and inspired other people in his likeness. Bro, those are the things that made I believe that made you and I cry on that day. Um, and I would I would venture to say his last four years after retiring were probably a little more impactful than this whole entire 16 year career um, as far as the things that he did off the court uh, for the things that he made available uh, in public to see off the court. Um, you know, Kobe is a sign of um, an individual who demonstrated greatness to the highest, highest ability that he could. And he put that on display. Absolutely, Jason. Kobe absolutely did that. And I just want to second your point about the four years after he left the court. Who 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 has a Hall of Fame basketball career and then goes leaves basketball, starts doing uh, poetry and uh, engaging mm -hmm. in this creative endeavor. And he mm -hmm. wins a Grammy Award. For his poem that he wrote, I think. Let me go a little bit farther. Basketball. Was it a Grammy or was it an Oscar, bro? For short film, it was an Oscar. Yes, it was, it was an yes. Oscar. That's what yes, it was. it was an Oscar. So, 
I mean, who does, right? And and if there's no other evidence at all of Kobe's greatness, if in, just in case you're struggling to find it according to how greatness really is defined, we should pay attention to the fact that on Jan- Sunday, January 6th, 2020, uh, when the news report started to come in that him and his daughter had died in a helicopter crash, I think Jason and I were probably stunned for not only that entire day, but for probably a few Bro, weeks months. after that. Come on, let's be honest. And months. Then the pandemic, and then the pandemic came in March, and that 2020 was just the year from he double hockey sticks, <laughs> if you know what I mean. It was not a good year. So the fact that two people who have never met him are completely broke up at his death to the point where he was pat where it was it was the the tragic the tragic dimensions of his loss were paralyzing for me i really had difficulty focusing at work focusing to prepare my lectures focusing to sit down and do research and try to write all of those things became very very difficult for me and i never yeah. met the man yeah right i knew him as a fan not as a friend and so it's interesting jason because i don't want the i don't want i mean we talked about it's funny this is unintentional we talked about (laughs) Shaq and kobe right (laughs) we talked about Shaq and kobe and it's what's funny about this is Jason and I don't want you to think that you have to be an NBA superstar yeah. to achieve greatness, right? And it's in that context that I want to point out there's there's sort of a the philosophers have a term mm-hmm. called dialectic. And dialectic implies a sort of oscillation back and forth from one polarity to another. So if you think about greatness, right? Others, there's a dialectic of other and self. Others prepare us for greatness. Self indulges itself to become great. And then on the other side of your greatness, others are affected by your success. So others prepare you for your success Kobe didn't come out the womb bouncing right. the basketball. He had parents. Jelly Bean, jo, jo, Jelly Bean Joe Bryant, one of the Philadelphia 76ers on the team with Dr. J, George McGinnis, Henry Bibby, okay, Bob, uh, uh, Henry Bibby, Daryl Dawkins. Man, the 1976-77 Sixers lost to the Blazers in the NBA Finals after wow. giving up a 2-0 series lead. I remember sitting in my living room, nine years old, looking at the TV with tears in my eyes, saying, Daddy, what happened? Right? Why'd we lose? Right? But all of that aside, the point is that Kobe had yeah. others prepare him. And then Kobe took that preparation, and he... It, he he did things on his own independent of others and then because of the investment that he made in himself he was able to create an environment to benefit others and not only to benefit others but to attain yeah talk about the immortality. immortality talk about how we talk about it 
right? So, so we know who the others were who prepared Kobe. We know what Kobe did himself, the relentless work ethic, the, the time on the court, film study, trying to get be the best he could be. And on the other side, you have his wife, Vanessa. You have his children, right? Who, because of his effort and his preparation and because somebody prepared him, he's now situated to be able to do for others maybe what his parents couldn't do for him because he invested in himself for the sake of others so if you think about greatness there is this dialectic of other self other it's a rhythm and it functions that way nobody gets to nobody gets to greatness on their own kobe needed people as we all do to help him right he needed coaches he needed his mother his father etc but then there comes a point where you have to do the work and then once you do the work and you achieve at a high level you are now preparing yourself to serve others even as others have served and then once you put in the work attains immortality their name survives death I'm in a discipline where almost every philosopher who I read is dead. And when I find myself in conversations with my colleagues, I'll speak about what Plato is doing. He had Plato been dead for, right. <laughs> for over 2000 years, but people still talk about him, right? Because he was great. He was significant. He was consequential. Same with Aristotle. Same with Kobe Bryant. Same with a number of icons, Jason. I don't, you know, like I said, I don't want people to think that you have to, to be, be an NBA basketball player to achieve. I mean, I like to think that our parents yeah. were great, right? Our parents were great. Our parents were our parents are consequential to us. Speaking of parents, one of the people, another of my heroes, I call her my Shiro is Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells was a woman, who, black woman who lived in Memphis, Tennessee. Two of her friends, two black men were lynched and it was said that they had raped white women and she dared to challenge that. And from that tragic circumstance, she came out and decided that she was going to launch a career in investigative journalism while taking care of her entire family now that's a that's a hero right yeah. there that's greatness that's significant it's consequential and people are still talking about ida b wells to this day she attained immortality and and that's where i think we have to focus ourselves now now someone prepared her yeah. she had mother and father she was then put in a situation where there was work she had to do herself. And because of the work she did, she left a legacy of a relentless effort for the ever elusive prize of racial justice. And now that she's been, even though she's been dead for nearly a hundred years, people still speak her name with pride and with a sense of, a sense of fulfillment in that 
they can look at her life and see that they can do the same thing with theirs. So when we when we talk about people, yes, the Kobe's and the Shaq's of the world, the Jordans, my goodness, the Jerry Rice's. And again, Jason right. and I are a couple of dudes, right? We love sports. We follow sports. So Jason and I are sports junkies. So forgive us if we make lots of sports illusions and if we make lots of examples from sports. But I think about greatness. I think about mm-hmm. I think about Jerry Rice, right? I mean, I think about a guy from from Crawford, Mississippi, who goes to Miss HBCU, Mississippi Valley State University, and goes on to he's arguably maybe the greatest player, depending on who you ask, maybe the greatest single greatest yeah. football player of yeah, all time yeah, yeah. in the National Football League. Right? I mean and when and when Kobe Bryant heard about the things that Jerry Rice did to prepare himself Kobe said, mm-hmm. I want to be just like him. So you talk about community, right? The way community is built when people seek greatness. When people really seek greatness, whether you're a football player, a political activist like Ida B. Wells, or an NBA uh, player, the fact of the matter is when you get down to the business of stepping through the doors that others have paved the way for you to step through and you really dig in and you refuse to underachieve oh man that's inspiring somebody around you is going to be made better because of what you've done whether you're Shaq or Kobe or Ida B. Wells or whomever in fact Frederick Douglass said of Ida B. Wells, you can speak to lynching in a way that I can't. He said, your voice is powerful. And is, is at this point, it's more powerful than mine. He said, I love you and I support you, but there's a work right now that only you can do. And Jason, I want to talk about that for a minute, because when we talk about mo- greatness, people have to remember that everybody is here for a purpose. Man, woman, boy, girl, you were Mm -hmm. made to do something great. And the people in your life that will prepare you, the others who who will pave your way to the precipice of greatness deserve nothing less than your best effort as you decide to work with what you've been prepared to do so jay on the other side of the break i want to pick up this conversation here because i think there's some juicy stuff going on here and i'd like for for you to chime in too so we'll be right back on the other side of this break y'all hang in there folks see y'all on the other side hello motown philly family you all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by the speaker's mechanic the speaker's mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host jason hall who is a communication skills coach and he's also published author of a book called a vocal owner's manual he works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills and i guarantee you that if you work with him he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called A Vocal Owner's Manual, and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about, and that's what his brand, The Speaker's Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks to The Speaker's Mechanic for this sponsorship. 
All right, folks, welcome back to episode 52 of the Motown Philly podcast. Jason Hall, the Motown of Motown Philly, Tim Golden, Philly of Motown Philly, and together we are here all about communication, connection, and community. And here on episode 52, we're talking about greatness, how it's attained, how you get it. And what we're looking at is how, and you'll appreciate this, Jason, how the the model of greatness that we're looking at is sort of a sandwich technique that the self is the self is sandwiched in between two groups of others the others that have prepared the self to be great then there is the self that must pursue greatness and the reason the self must pursue greatness is because there are those on the other side who are depending upon him or her to deliver so that their lives can be better. So even as the self is prepared by others, the self helps to prepare others for their own journey toward greatness. I think, and, and again, you, you don't, listen, there's parents, there's brothers, there's sisters. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be a, a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer. You might just be raising your kids. You might listen, because I'm going to tell you right now, Kobe had a mother and father. Shaq had a mother and father. Michael Jordan had a mother and father. Right? And so everybody, nobody is great on their own. I like to say that independence is a myth. Jason, give, give me some of your thoughts, man, on this way that we're setting up what greatness is and, and how it, I, how it I like I like the fact that when Tim and I decided to do this particular podcast, there was a level of energy and inspiration that that we were engaging in, that we were feeling in our amongst amongst ourselves together and also, you know, inwardly. And we wanted to hop on here and share this this level of enthusiasm that we have for greatness. So us sharing today is us in a lot of ways wanting to give you examples and then maybe even Tim break down what does greatness look like? Like we we if we can make it tangible, if we can give our audience something that can that they can kind of aspire to to say like these are some metrics that that look great in these individuals whether you talk about who those who are famous or whether you just talk about the consistency the fundamentals the fundamentals of what these people or what greatness looks like in individuals and how we can also bring those out before we land this plane uh called this podcast motown podcast at this episode so i i really love the idea that we're opening up this podcast to talk about great greatness but we want to not just inspire you guys with the idea of greatness we're going we tim and i talked about yo we're going into the second half of this year some of you guys are parents some of you guys are are, are students some of you guys are starting a new job uh, i'm not sure if tim want to talk about that but you know some of you guys are doing something new in your life or maybe you're doing the same old thing in your life that you've been doing the, at towards the beginning of the since the beginning of the year till now, or you've just been doing for a while and you kind of count this year as a race and letting you know that this is the middle of the race and we're going into the second half of the race called August. 
and we want to inspire you guys to dig in just a little deeper. We're not asking you to ignore your feelings and your emotions. We want you to always check in with yourself with that. You know, we want you to communicate with yourself well so that you can understand where you are. But then knowing that you have tasks in front of you that you want to achieve, you have goals that you want to achieve and you lead, need a just a little bit more motivation. You need just a little bit more inspiration. You need just a little bit more, uh, if you will some a vision to look at to go after if tim and i can bring that to you today that is our goal that is our purpose so if we can too in addition to uh what we're going to kind of jump into in a second like can we then start talking about yo what does greatness look like whether it's to me whether we what whether we see that trait in someone else or whatever is consistent among those 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 i believe simplistic traits of what greatness is um and how can we all aspire to do that today like put that into action today and and carry that through through the rest of this week what do you think about that sure Sure. so let me let me that's a good way to uh, well put jason well put let me let me start let me start with myself right i'll give you an example of this this greatness paradigm as it okay. presents itself in my own life or as I interpret it uh, for myself. And then maybe you could chime in and maybe you could see if there's some parallels with your situation and we can try to flesh Definitely. out what greatness looks like a little bit. Uh, not it, And I've used myself not to say that I am great, but to say that I am on the road. I am on the road to what I hope will be a greatness that will spill over in the lives of others. So take me i'm born and raised in philly a germantown section of philadelphia went to northeast high school shout out northeast shout vikings out. 1983 philadelphia public league champs so uh, i just you know all of that uh born and raised in philly went away to law school came back to philly passed the bar exam practiced law and along the way i had a mother and a father who cared for me. I have brothers and sisters who love me. I am surrounded by a tribe of people in my immediate family who without a doubt, my mother and father leading the way have given me everything I need, both in terms of material and non-material goods, skills, Jason, I thought about you today because I remembered how my mother and father used to always stress good diction mm. and clear speech. They would, they would, they did not tolerate ain't like I couldn't talk in the house the way I talked out with my friends on the street. I couldn't do that. I couldn't get away with slurring words, dropping off T's and I's and leaving i couldn't end sentences Mm -hmm. with prepositions right so my mother and my father are not only giving me the material conditions necessary for success food clothing shelter they are imparting social skills to me my father used to always say don't open your mouth if you have a closed mind your mouth your mouth should never be open if your mind is closed. 
So think before you say something, right? That's what my father used to always say. Mm-hmm. Think carefully before you open your mouth. So they are preparing me. My mother and father prepared me for these are the things that our parents impart to us. This is the others that prepare us, right? So my mother and my father have taken me to the doorstep of greatness. And there's only so far they can take me. And it's not their fault. At some point, I have to accept the responsibility for the path that they have paved for me. And I have to stand at the precipice of greatness. And I have to say to myself, what am I going to do with their investment in me? Am I going to am I going to give up on that investment? Because if I do, then I I I'm depriving others out of what they could possibly gain from mm-hmm. whatever success I have. And I think as as a Christian living in in this world, as one who professes to believe in in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have uh, a deep obligation, a moral obligation and a spiritual obligation to take whatever God has given me and whatever my parents have cultivated within me and use those things. So what do I do, Jason? I get up every morning and I'm a philosopher. I'm writing. I'm about to take the stage in Walla Walla at the Giza Powerhouse yep. Theater next month to portray August Wilson. And and in addition to those things, I'm I'm also a lawyer who represents poor people who are appealing their convictions. Say to me, well, Tim, isn't... And Jason, I hate to sound cliche but I do so much because my mother and father wow. gave me so much. Mm-hmm. My mother and father so much in me. And to take it to a deeper spiritual level, God put it in me, right? I heard something a month ago that changed my life. And I want the Motown Philly family to hear this well. And Jason, you know this already, but I, I want to share it with you all. My father died on Thursday, May 17th, 1984, at about 11.45 p.m. He was having trouble breathing, and my mother was on the phone with the doctor, and the doctor said, get him over here right away. And my father said, no, I think it's just indigestion. And the last words I heard him say to my mother were, I'll be all right. It's just indigestion. Less than five minutes later, my mother screamed. My brother and I went in the room. My father had collapsed, and my brother and I were giving him CPR. 39 years had passed. And last Friday, I'm sorry, and Friday, I think it was Friday, July 7th of this year, my sister found an article found in, a, in the NPR archives an interview with Terry Gross on her show, Fresh Air. And it was an interview from July the 6th, 1979, in which she interviewed my father. I cannot tell you 
I can't really put into words the reaction I had. I heard my father's voice for the first time in 39 years since the night he died. And when I heard him, a ripple of energy went through my body. Now, my father's been dead for 39 years. We're talking about greatness. We're talking about attaining immortality. We're talking about a moment in which for me, it was as if I had been thrown into the sepulcher of Elisha and came upon his bones as a dead man and I was brought back to life. And in that moment, I was brought back to refocus on precisely what my father had prepared me to do, what my mother had prepared me to do. And I'm determined now more than ever to not let them down. And I, so I pursue my career as an academic philosopher, my career as a lawyer, and my career as a an actor with a relentless passion to achieve greatness. Not so that I can benefit, but because I see the benefit to others mm. on the other side. And I want those around me to experience what it means to have someone operate at a high level again not because i'm great or not because i'm perfect but just because the effort itself whether i'm successful or not the effort itself is contagious and brings good into the lives of others so for me jason when i think about that that's what it looks like for me others have prepared me and i have an obligation to work on that preparation so that I can then share whatever success I have with others. Cause I, I might not be like Shaq. I might not be able to buy nobody a new pickup truck, but I might be an example to somebody who looks at me and says, you know what? I can do that too. And if I can do that, then I think I've, I've attained greatness. So that's, that's really what I'm after in my life, not for selfish reasons, but to be an example in the life. Real good, real actually, real great. How about that? Real, real, real great, Tim. You, I can, and, and I can tell you this. Um, just being your your friend, your brother, seeing you move on a day to day, week to week, and even year to year basis, you are inspiration to me and i do see your greatness every time we interact we have conversations we exchange text messages uh tim and i tim you always show me the level of greatness that you strive for there's there's rarely a, a time that we part ways in interacting via uh text or via phone call that we don't say yo bro i love you and well, even without the bro, Tim, I love you. Like it's, we're trying to normalize. I love yous when it comes to male, male uh, relationship and, and, and not feel any way about it because culture, culture says otherwise, or it used to say otherwise, at least of our generation. And just seeing your level, the, the intensity that you, that you strive for and the endeavors that you have it, it, I just want to let you know, you if I haven't lately, you it's it's inspirational. You just being in relationship with you, 
makes me a better per- person. And if I hadn't told you that lately, I just wanted to let you know that today, because uh, that's what you do um, to me. And I'm sure everybody who you come in contact, you, you do the same thing. So I appreciate you. Thank you, Jason. I love you and I appreciate you too. And I might I say that you do the same for me. My friendship with you makes me a better person. It makes me more reflective. It makes me more aware. It helps me to remember what my father told me when he said that your mouth should never be open if your mind is closed. You have opened my mind, your your warmth, your caring, your sensitivity, your your sheer love for relationships has has really enriched my life in in ways that I can't begin to enumerate. So, uh, you know, I, I, we all try our best and, and your efforts as an entrepreneur are nothing short of remarkable and, and all that you do for your for your your family, your children. It you're really a, a a man of a, a high high caliber and i, I can't say i have can, i can say with honesty you know my father used to tell me show me your friends and I, i'll show you where you're going to end up in life and when i look around and i see friends like you i, I have full confidence that i'm going to be all right so i love you too brother and and know that i i learn as much and you are as good of an influence on me as I yeah, am man. on you. So uh, we're here for each other. I just I just want to give you guys or give you guys my part on what greatness is. I like how Tim interwove greatness for him in his in his like in his story. And I do have a story, but I think for me to encapsulate what greatness is, um, there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, one me personally like this is not excluding my the sandwich that that Tim talked about. I believe he is dead on and 100 percent right when it's an ebb and flow. It's a there were others who influenced me who if I take it in properly, I should help to influence someone else like that is the this the sandwich of greatness, if you will, when it comes to how to make or get greatness to work in your favor. You got to bring be able to be open to bring it in, right? To receive and learn. And you have to be willing not to be selfish about that love and or that 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 greatness or that information, that ed- education that you've gotten and being willing and to know that you are a better person if you don't hold on to that stuff and hoard it. But you are a better person when you share it. And knowing that you create this this flow that comes from what from what you've learned from those who came before you and those who are in your sphere of your current sphere of influence to those who you are, those who you are newly touching for the first time and those who might be still in your 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 sphere of influence. The point is this for me, I want, and I've learned this. I don't know if I learned it directly from uh, a certain individual, but you can, you can kind of test the tea leaves for those who are doing great in this world. And you understand 
that the idea, especially if you're human, and that's all of us, is trying to be better today than you were yesterday. And understanding that you do fall and you do make mistakes, but so does everybody. But the key is getting back up, putting the past in the past and getting and walking forward, knowing that you're still striving to be better today than you were yesterday. Because like Tim said, there are so those who came before you, your parents who instilled these values that helped you to be who you are today. They've invested that like, you are there. You are their investment. Tim's parents and my parents are, though we're young, are, you know, are not living today. Um, we were in, in a, a little, a lot of ways as, as adults, uh, young adults, we were, we were orphaned soon. In a, in, and that does play a, a role on, on who we are today and understanding that they did invest like the time that they had on this earth where we interacted and shared, shared space together. And our generation or that generation wasn't so talkative, but we had to glean a lot of lessons. Uh, if it were not for their words, uh, it's by their actions. And we took those things in. And though we did not know everything amongst the journey and no, nor do we know everything now, it's the openness and the willingness to not only be better today than you were, than you were yesterday. Yeah. So as I was saying, like when it comes to my understanding of greatness, it's just really, it's really understanding that what you are doing on a daily basis is better than what you did the day before. And the other heavy thing that weighs on me that I believe I don't think de- greatness is a destination that's a that's a sidebar so with that understanding is knowing that you are committed to daily growth and learning I don't think growth happens without learning something new like short sh- like there is an intentional effort to learn something new so if you're taking notes guys you have to think about Like, how do I, how do I, what is greatness and how do I achieve it? So, like I said, I don't believe it's a destination. I believe you can make goals short term and long term within the realm of you living, which I think is effective when it comes to life purpose and, and making sure you're trying to, to move from where you are to where you want to be and not, and not be stagnant so knowing that you are intentional about being better today than you were yesterday and that that can be a messy thing too i mean life is not a linear you need to understand that life is not a linear line to get from point a to b sometimes you got to back up to go forward so when i when tim and i speak of greatness also we're also not thinking like you gotta you gotta strive to reach perfection every day either so that's that's a for me a homogenous understanding of knowing that you know we're not we're not after we're not after perfection like we see goals and we see under we know that there's understanding that needs to 
in reaching those goals that where we need to have some grace and learning is a curve and you don't just get it right the first time. So, but just having principles of being better, having principles of learning and, and striving to understand that growth happens in the development of learning and then understanding that failure is going to happen. You're, you are, you are, if you're in this world and you take, you take breaths each and every day and you open up your mouth and you interact with people and you have work and you have projects and you have goals, you're entrepreneur, like you're not going to make the mark every day. Like that has to be, that has to be ingrained into who you are and understand that. And maybe you don't have to call it failures because Tim knows that we have this conversation often. Like, failures is is something is a narrative that we can paint on ourselves but you know i'm different and i've changed and i've grown and i've learned to understand that failure is a is a lesson like losses are lessons and failure is as another opportunity to evaluate to see where you can where how we can be better so failure call it what you want to it's a label but understand what that label is. Me understanding what that label really is to me helps to set me up for success, which also sets me up for greatness. And greatness to you is not necessarily greatness to me. It's knowing that you are you are not settling with the Jason that I was 10 years ago, five years ago, last year, just knowing that I want to show up, not just for myself. Now, this is key. This is key. I want to show up so that I can be better for the next person. And I think that hits it home all day as, as far as what Tim has been saying so eloquently. This is a sandwich thing. Like you can't be great in and of yourself with the analogy of what Kobe was his first, his first, uh, what, um, eight years. Like he wasn't better until he started sharing and opening up his heart. And no, it's not about being a celebrity or being some high performing elite ball player. It's this is about us, our greatness of where we are to today, the significance of how we can make an impact in our in the lives of who we touch today. Those are things that drive me forward. And here's the last thing, Tim, for me. Um, so we got we have we have understanding trying to be better today than we were yesterday knowing that learning and developing is is a core function understanding that we need to have grace on ourselves and understanding that failure is just a term that we can flip and make it it's not about failing it's about lessons it's about learning it's about opportunities and lastly and this this is kind of helps to capsulate what what we've been talking about or doing on this podcast we are on week 52 and with a level of consistency uh we look at what we've done as great because if you guys follow and no podcast podcasts pop up and then they go away tim and i made one cons- one commitment to each other is to show up each and every week for about an hour and a half we're trying to do better not two hours an hour and a half 15 hour 15 minutes in front in front of you guys each and every day with a level of consistency that is not of course consistency consistency isn't sporadic and 
in committing ourselves to trying to speak to this thing called communication, connection, and community from our interpretation with me being a communication skills coach with a background in speech language pathology with Tim actually being the speaker. Not saying that I'm not, but Tim is Tim is a globe trotter of a speaker, um, international, national speaker, uh, philosopher and lawyer thespian like this is like i'm the mechanic he's the one who actually speaks that's kind of how we we look at this relationship it speaks on a on a daily basis to his class and to those who are around this 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 country even this world so with that idea to know is knowing just to do your best to show up each and every day and making sure that we are trying to be have a level of significant contribution to this life, to this world and those that we meet, that we share love, that we share inspiration and encouragement to help inform and help make someone better than they were when they before they came into our presence. And that's what this podcast is all about. And that's that's us striving for greatness. Um, that's that's my take on greatness. That's a Tim. great take on greatness, Jason. I, I couldn't think of a better way to put it. And, you know, you dropped so many gems. I just, I would be remiss if I didn't just second and reinforce so many of the things you just said. The first thing that you said that I thought was very powerful is that greatness is not a destination. Greatness is a journey. It's a journey of the self in community with others in communication with others kobe kobe had to communicate with his mother and father kobe had to connect with his parents kobe had a community that made him kobe and then the community that made him kobe led him to an encounter with himself and then that put him in community with others but as you as you put it jason he didn't he wasn't every step of that journey is greatness kobe found greatness Mm -hmm. in fellowship with his family he found greatness in fellowship with himself and he ultimately found greatness mm-hmm. in fellowship with others. So at any phase of anyone's journey toward greatness, you are going to find greatness. It is not a destination. Mm-hmm. It is the journey. The second thing you said is that greatness in the sense in which we are talking about it is not perfection. It is the furthest thing from perfection because Mm -hmm. part of what makes us great in our journey are the mistakes that we make, are the the flaws of our humanity, our personality, our characters. You talked about Kobe in the context of his off-the-court legal problems in terms of a sexual assault of a woman who was not his wife. It would be awful if he sexually assaulted his wife too, but it was a sexual assault and it was adultery, right? <laughs> and so Kobe, the in mm. fact, true greatness yeah, yeah. is, and I think what we're what what you said is just is so on point because true greatness is not the absence of 
or the absence of flaws, but it's how we manage them and how we deal with them. You talked about showing up every day wanting to be better than you were the next day. And part of being better assumes that we are not perfect, right? I mean, Brian slept with a woman who was not his wife and she accused him of sexual assault. So yep. there's adultery and there's potential criminal liability, right? And, and fortunately for him, the criminal liability went away, but he had to settle the civil case yep. and all of that played out publicly. And he had to deal with the fallout of all of that. He had to, he, he had to handle that. And, and part of what makes him great isn't and, that his life was, was flaw free or error free, but that he overcame his errors. He overcame his character flaws and he went on to use them to become a better person. And that is what I think is so important for our listeners to keep in mind. Look at Shaq. Shaq's game was not perfect. Shaq, Shaq had all kind of flaws in his game. In fact, one of the reasons why him and Kobe didn't get no. along is because Shaq, I mean, Kobe is famous for saying, if Shaq's fat behind got in better shape, we would have won 10 championships. And Kobe was on that. And Shaq will talk about that today. And to this day, he'll sure. laugh about that. Yeah. So, you know, the, the gems that you drop, I was over here raising the roof, man, because I was like, that's that's what it's all about here at Motown Philly. We don't want you all to walk away from this podcast thinking that in order to be great, you have to be perfect. That's just not true. In order to be great, you have to take your imperfections and say, what can I learn from these? Your failures, your failures have to be turned mm -hmm. around into your Turn successes. It's not that you won't fail, but it's how you deal with it. It's like the old proverb that courage is not the absence of fear, but the mastery yeah. of it. Right? So, Jack, you dropped some gems, man. That's beautiful. Man, we're just we're just out here. We're we're excited about about this episode and just wanting to to bring it to you guys to let you let you know in this in this last half of the year there could be, we can be a little bit of wing beneath your wing <laughs> wind beneath your wings to help get you to the end of the year because sometimes we all need it tim you have a schedule that's daunting that's in front of you for the year but it, even in the next several days so oh, yes. if we can do nothing but encourage ourselves but let me encourage you you know what i'm saying like you I want you to go do the things that are in front of you and go slay it. Know that you got support, you got love and encouragement from me and that you're going to be amazing at everything you put your hands to, the energy and effort that you put into it and that you're going to kill it. And even if it doesn't necessarily go the way you That's wanted it, to know, know that yeah, you still you, you still I, gave I it your all. I appreciate that so much. And I, I just want you ask. all to know, all of our listeners, Again, we're so thankful for you bringing us into your lives and just know that you don't have to be. Remember, greatness is not necessarily being good. We've talked today about what it means to be great and to be good. 
And that's what we want to encourage our listeners to do. Again, you could have great pain. It doesn't mean it's good pain. It it just you could there could be a great tragedy. That would be an oxymoron. There's nothing good about tragedy, right? So just remember when we speak of greatness, we're speaking about being significant right. and consequential, not in a bad way. We don't want anybody to go out here and be significant and consequential like Jeffrey Dahmer or Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. But what we do want you to do is to go out and be significant and consequential like Ida B. Wells, like your mother and father, like all the people in your life who might not be celebrities. They might not be superstars, but they show up every day in relation and they do the things necessary to put you in a position where you can be great. And then the question is, what are you going to do with what they've given you? How are you going to ensure that those around you get a return on the investment that those that put you there have made in you? So, man, it's just so much to talk about here. We got we got we got six more months left this year. And this time last year, Jason and I had just decided that we were going to do it. August 18 is our official one year anniversary. The first episode we recorded and we just going to keep coming strong. Stay tuned, folks. We got some great things coming up the second half of this year. We got unbelievable guests. Boy, do we have some guests lined up for y'all. You're just not going to believe what's to come. So stay tuned. Keep listening. And just know that we love you here, Motown Philly. And Jason, where can people find you, brother? Yo, you guys can find me on Instagram primarily at the Speakers Mechanic and on LinkedIn, Jason Hall, communicating commun- communication coach uh, who works with professionals and business people, people who are in business uh, to help communicate better in their workspace to their uh, avatar, local avatar, and who they're trying to to speak to, communicate, sell to, those type of things. If you're looking to present, to do presentations better, get Y'all at me, can find uh, reach out me to me, find on me on Instagram, those social platforms. Tim Golden, Golden where can we meet you? Where can we find you? Me on Twitter at DRTJGoldenESQ. And you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden. Three things in life are certain death taxes, and I'm the only black man in Walla Walla named Tim Golden. I guarantee you that. Take that check to the bank and cash it. It ain't bouncing. I guarantee it. So, listen, Jay, did you have something else you wanted to put down? Mm-mm. Oh, I called it Twitter. I called it Twitter. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying. You you called it Twitter. You gonna have to. You gonna have yeah, to. Re- you gonna have to revamp. You can you find me. Twitter, on I looked at my I looked at my phone the other day to even ESQ. That's X, not Twitter. I, I think you know what I feel like the dude in in the coming to America in the barbershop. Mama named him Twitter. I'ma call him Twitter. That's what I'ma call. <laughs> Daddy named him Clay, I'ma call him Clay. Mama named him Twitter. I'm gonna call him Twitter. That's what I'm gonna call it, Twitter. So y'all go ahead and do what you want, but y'all knew what I was talking about anyway. 
Jay, listen, I love you, and I'm grateful for this time we had together Hilarious. with our listening audience. I can tell you, I can speak on behalf of Jason with some certainty and tell you that Jason loves each and every one of you out there who are listening. We love you for listening. We love you for making us part of your lives. And we are one year and counting. Before you know it, we're about to be 10 times this and be at episode 520. And we're going to be five years into the podcast, except at 520, we might be in some swanky restaurant downtown Chicago or something. Who knows? We love y'all, folks. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week with episode 53. Until then, we are out of here like Vladimir. Peace.